In the Ring with Eusebius Merkaiser. Eusebius Merkaiser. So I've decided to call this edition of uh, In the Ring with Eusebius Merkaiser Tabo Mbeki versus the African National Congress. Obviously, I'm being slightly cheeky because the 17-page letter that had been addressed by former President Tabo Mbeki to the current Deputy President of the country, Paul Mashatile, who was also the Deputy President of the African National Congress, on the 29th of March, Wednesday. Um, that is a letter that is intended to result in productive internal conversation within the governing African National Congress here in South Africa. Now, I want to say a couple of things, firstly, about why I've decided to put this particular bit of explainer journalism combined with political analysis on In the Ring with Eusebius MacKaiser. I run two podcasts, and I've slowly developed, in my mind, a imperfect but useful separation between the two. For my Eusebius on Times live podcast, I allow myself to be as parochial as possible in terms of going into the minutiae of South African politics. But on this podcast, I try and pick themes, whether it be literature, racism, ethical questions, philosophical quandaries, that can travel widely internationally. But every now and then, however, I make an exception, and I do cross over still and allow a South African topic to be treated in some detail on In the Ring. And I normally do that where I feel the South African story may be of international interest to those who watch South Africa, or alternatively, or in addition, if the South African story may resonate with your own locale, the facts might be different, but there may be similar kinds of issues in other democracies or other countries around the world. And I think on this occasion, judging from how podcasts featuring analyses on my part in relation to former President Abu Mbeki had been downloaded really swiftly and consumed and engaged um, incredibly, um, to my surprise actually, I thought I'm going to put it on In the Ring with Eusebius MacKaiser. So what do I want to achieve? I want to do a couple of things. I want to tell you what is in the letter. I want to explain the significance of what is in the letter. And then I'm going to do some political analysis, by which I mean more precisely offer my interpretation of what the motivation is for how the former president is going about engaging the African National Congress and what it is that he might be hoping to achieve. And I'm going to be doing so on the basis of my own cumulative understanding of politics, but also my own sources within the African National Congress. There's some really interesting movements within the ANC that hasn't really surfaced much in the public reporting on the ANC in recent weeks. And so this, for those of you who are loyal followers of In the Ring with Eusebius MacKaiser, you'll get a sense of what's going on in parts of the ANC that I don't think has been sufficiently lifted to the surface because the news cycle is on steroids and there's just way too much for news editors to choose from. So to start off with, let's get straight into this 17-page letter. Well, essentially, at a high level, before we get into the structure of the letter, which is usefully clear and simple, 
but at a very high level, the former president is basically saying to the African National Congress that it must take seriously its role in the different organs of state and the different parts of the state. And if you are, for example, part of the ANC Parliamentary Caucus and you are an ANC MP, you have, by definition, taken an oath of office in relation to your public duty, whereby you had committed yourself to make sure that you are always, in the first instance, showing allegiance to the national constitution. And that is a duty that you have, even though you might have arrived in Parliament on an ANC party ticket. Why is that important? Because if we then get to practical examples of the potential tension between serving at the behest of party headquarters, but at the same time having signed up for national duty, that can sometimes be a tension that ANC backbenchers don't always know how to resolve for themselves. And President Thabo Mbeki in this letter makes it very clear that you should resolve it by showing, in the first instance, a deeper commitment to the, to the national constitution than worrying about what goes on in the party. Now, that's unprecedented, and I'll come back to that a little bit later. But that really is the core of the 17 pages. If you didn't have time to read it and you wanted 30 seconds before you go into a seminar, so you don't sound silly and you ask me, Dude, what was it about? So I don't sound silly in case the tutor asks me a first question. That's what I would have said to you. If you can't get into the detail at a top line, this 17-page letter is fundamentally a reminder to the African National Congress and the Parliamentary Caucus in particular that the country's national constitution is the foundation that should guide how the ANC in Parliament relates to the ANC in government. That's really how I would summarize it. And if you can keep that lesson in mind, you would be accurately reporting to your colleagues at work what it is that Thabo Mbeki had said in the 17-pager. But now let's slow down and actually go through the detail. What are the ways in which he lands that top-line message that I've just summarized for you? He starts off by talking about the biggest elephant currently in the ANC Parliamentary Caucus room, and that is the scandal in relation to trading that had happened at the farm owned by the current president, Sir Ramaphosa, where some dude had come along, bought some livestock, paid for it in foreign currency, the... South African agency responsible for keeping tabs of money flows in foreign currency don't have any evidence of this being declared and the money was simply found or first reported on in the public space when it came to light that part of it had been stolen from his property and more bizarrely still that he had stashed it in a couch on the farm. Now, you can see how this raises so many questions, many more than they settle. Um, and consequent to that, Parliament decided to set up an initial panel, which it is allowed to do in terms of the country's constitution, to look into the question of whether or not the president needs to face further probing that could ultimately lead to some kind of 
cliffing from parliament, from government, um, if, you know, impeachment were to take place. Now, it's a very slow process, this, because the initial body that gets set up, three-person panel, has got to decide whether or not there's, there's a case to be answered. But if they say, yes, there's a case to be answered, it doesn't actually mean the president is guilty. All that means is that there's a sufficient basis for a full-fledged, more expansive second step process to be undertaken by parliament where a parliamentary multi-party committee on an ad hoc basis can be set up and it will have wider investigating and probing probative powers than the three-person panel. So the three-person panel is very limited in scope by design. What that means is that you've got to trust their instinct rather than slavishly telling them you do not have forensic proof for what it is that you are telling us. Because what they did tell the nation at the end of their very limited initial inquiry is there's so many questions here that have not been settled and which we can't settle because of the design limitations in terms of our lack of powers that we think there's enough here for Parliament, as I've put it in the public space, to have another look. And having another look does not mean that the president is, on the face of it, guilty. In fact, he may be exonerated. And if he's as innocent as it is, in the worst case scenario, we will have spent a little bit of resources to demonstrate his innocence and to make sure that no one can doubt his bona fides. What did the ANC do? Well, firstly, the president tried to challenge the rationality of aspects of the findings of the report um, and the concord would have none of it and refused to hear the matter uh, granted on procedural ground rather than substantively disagreeing with the president but nevertheless that was a procedural setback for him but in the meantime the ANC backbenchers simply decided they would not adopt the report now adopting the report is a formal prerequisite before a multi-party ad hoc committee can be set up, which basically means that the whole process was dead in the water, regardless of what was happening at the Constitutional Court. What does all of this mean, and what does it have to do with the 17-pager from President Thabo Mbeki? Well, very simple. Because of the ANC backbenchers not having backbones, it means that a ad hoc committee with wider investigative powers than a three-person panel could not be set up and the first part first couple of pages of the 17 page letter the president is very clear that um, he is quote very disturbed by votes that have been undertaken in the national assembly on the 13th of december the 22nd of march and the 23rd of march in relation to the palapala matter that is the farm that I'm referring to, but also as a second case study, by the way, um, voting down a motion to investigate corruption at ESCOM, which of course is, if you're not from South Africa, the state-owned entity that is mandated to provide um, electricity for us. And so essentially what's going on here, that the president is really, quote, very disturbed by, is the parliamentary ANC caucus showing zero regard for their constitutional duty
to provide forensic oversight over the government. And we all know why. It's because of a culture of fear that you're not going to make it onto the list of names recommended to the Independent Electoral Commission in 2024 as a potential returning MP. And if you're a new MP, you also would not want to be saying much in the public space, lest you don't get chosen by the deployment committee to go to Parliament next year. And I think this is exactly why this letter is so important, because the next part of it, um, the President in great detail um, reminds the Deputy President, um, Paul Mashatile, of the corruption challenge, the Palapala matter. He even goes so far, which hasn't really been commented on in the first 12 hours of the po- there is this letter being leaked into the public space. He goes so far as to say we had made a mistake when it came to Nkandla, which of course was the upgrades to the homestead of former President Jacob Zuma. And he makes it clear that one of the most important lessons that we should have learned after remedial action that had been recommended by the public protector was eventually assented to is that the ANC had taken way too long um, to provide the necessary oversight and accountability mechanisms to kick in in relation to Nkandla. And uh, for me, that's just extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. The, the rest of the letter I'm going to summarize for you so that um, this doesn't turn into too long an entry because I want you to understand the essence, not be too reductive, but I don't want you to have so much information overload that you are unable, in your own words, to describe to someone else what it is that I've told you. But basically what the president then says, and, and I say basically too quickly, because it, in the context of ANC parliamentary history, it is really, really sharp, I think incredibly brave, helpful and important. And he says, we are the ones that agreed to the national constitution. It was a revolutionary document we signed up for, and anyone who does anything that is not constitutionally compliant is in fact an enemy, <coughs> an enemy excuse me, of the revolution. And that's, that's incredible. The other phrase he uses several times throughout the letter is to say that that kind of behavior in turn in other words, not complying with the Constitution, the national Constitution, that is, the revolutionary national Constitution, is that it will result in, quote, the alienation of the masses. Now, this is where I want to do a little bit of just explanation and, and, and interpretation for you. What the president is getting at here is a conundrum that has been at the heart of the way in which South Africa's electoral system and political system had been designed. Now, I think in historical terms, we ended up with a system that kind of made sense for the conditions under which we were choosing a new system in the mid-90s. But after a couple of decades, it really is time to fine-tune it or to radically overhaul it. But the status quo can't be sustained. One of the issues that we had not anticipated in great detail because we needed to get on with breaking from apartheid and not let perfection be the enemy of the good. So we chose the good, but we didn't choose the best possible. Is that enormous amount of political power 
was given to all political parties to decide who the MP should be that represent them. But the consequence of that is that MPs are beholden to party headquarters and not so much to residents in the country and to voters. <coughs> Which is why, unless you have really brave individual MPs, and Andrew Feinstein here, a Patricia de Lille over there, a Mkuleka Schlengwa over there, and you can see these also invariably, for the most part, opposition ones, um, but also some ANC MPs that have been good, um, but they are rare, is because these guys don't serve at your behest, in my behest, directly. And so, sure, they can't go to Parliament unless their party wins a sizable portion of the election um, numbers. But they need to get onto that list that the party draws up. And they don't care what you and I think when they listen to us on TV, on radio, or see our letters, or our tweets, or our Facebook posts. They do care more about what deployment committees think. And the significance of former President Tabon Baki's letters to say to them, hey, sure, you had to suck up to Fakila Mbalula in order to get to Parliament. But the moment you got there and you were sworn in, things needed to change. Legally, politically, ethically. And if you understood that, you would not be protecting President Sora Ramaphosa and you would not disagree that it is useful for Parliament to try and get to the bottom of corruption in state-owned entities. In the same way in which we should, with retrospect, in retrospect, be deeply ashamed that Parliament, and specifically the ANC Parliamentary Caucus, was not sufficiently cognizant of the primary national duty when Nkandlagate was, was uncovered. And, I, and for me, that's just absolutely extraordinary. It shouldn't be extraordinary, because it should be obvious that your allegiance to the national constitution should be prior to your party commitments. But in the real world, it doesn't work like that because the person who can hire and fire you are effectively the ones who are in charge of deciding who should be on the list of 400 names that get sent to the IEC. But the former president is appealing to his fellow comrades to understand that if you put the country first, you actually would be putting the party first. And I think that's pretty, pretty important. And they would be idiotic to just think of him as an elder person who is not using the right channels, which is all that Fakila Mbalula cared about today. And that was a waspish attempt to focus on process over substance, or to just sort of like fob him off as someone who's old and cranky and should really worry about his own checkered legacy. It would be very, very convenient to respond in an ad hominem way to former President Thabo Mbeki. But if you care about the ANC and you think that it still has got life left in it. I'm not saying that I do. But if anyone thought that the ANC is not yet dead, despite what analysts have to say, an opposition party have to say, and civil society organizations have to say, then you have to take this letter deeply seriously. Because it actually gives prudent advice of how putting country interests first is actually the best strategy to ensure that you don't end up getting 40% of the vote in 2024. Now, I don't think this current ANC leadership is, is serious enough about renewing the ANC. I think it just says that word ad nauseum without meaning it or even knowing what it means by now.
but the 17-page letter from the former president is an attempt to get the party to take seriously a, as I said to my good friend Sakina Kamwendo on her show on SEFM, the existential threat that the ANC is to itself. And he's saying to them, guys, we've got one shot to get it right before 2024, and it's up to us to get it right. And a key part of getting it right is for the parliamentary caucus to really demonstrate to the country that it understands its role in relation to the executive. And that's that's really important and profound and, in, in, in a sense, trite, but also not trite in the context of real politics. Then, I think the most important thing, which unfortunately, it's now almost midnight of me recording this, um, I'm going to have to be in conversation with you about in, on some other platforms, and maybe I'll write a piece for Times Live, .co.za over the weekend, so watch out for that. But but let me put it this way. I think that President Sol Ramaphosa doesn't obviously have the support of ANC elders. I say that advisedly, and I want you to trust me that I'm now old enough to have deep deeper connections in the ANC um, and and many of our political parties than I did at the beginning of my career. And that trust, in turn, I'm able to leverage in conversations I have on the record, off the record, but also my own studying of the political parties. What's going on in this letter is not just a nerdish conversation about what is the role of an MP. This also has got subtext that is practical and speaks to different leadership battles in the ANC right now. Who knows what will happen to Paul Moschettino, right? It's an important question. However, the first question is, for how long should Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa be, be president of the country? This letter is the clearest signal yet that ANC leaders of former President Mbeki's ilk are not confident that President Cyril Ramaphosa remains their best hope, both for the party and for the country. Because yes, on the face of it, the letter is addressed to the Deputy President and is essentially a conversation with the ANC Parliamentary Caucus. And Mr. Paul Mashatile, of course, is in charge of government business. But in reality, this letter has got a subtweet. And the gigantic subtweet in this letter is President Sol Ramaphosa. And so for me, the most important unstated thesis in this letter, and I say this both in terms of what is in the letter, but also my understanding of what's going on behind the scenes, is that even if in the best case scenario for him, President Sol Ramaphosa is the presidential candidate for purposes of running the election campaign, making sure that there are decent-ish numbers, that the electoral losses that will happen will happen, but not as badly as they should. So you don't want to gamble with a new face, including maybe Paul Mashatile's face. But President Mbeki's 17-page letter signals to different parts of the tripartite alliance and different parts of the ANC itself that they, we, when I say we, I don't mean me included, but imagine you're an ANC um an ANC leader in the Eastern Cape, for example, or in KZN, you're reading this letter, the way you would interpret it would be as follows. The old-timer is saying to us that maybe 
we should begin to imagine what are we going to do the morning after the IEC had given us the results? Do we still want Mr. Ramaphosa to be the candidate we put forward for president once their nomination is taken in the National Assembly? Or do we begin to think about um, replacing him already? And, you know, how do we begin to imagine an ANC not led by him and who will take over? I think the confidence in President Ramaphosa is so low that although no tactician will take too much of a risk in terms of whose face you put on posters around the country going into the 2024 electoral period, it will probably be Mr. Ramaphosa. Nevertheless, because the ANC is experiencing an existential crisis of its own making, I think this letter is an excellent example of how someone like Mr. Mbeki, who wouldn't wish to see his party in his lifetime no longer being a player, any serious player in the South African political landscape, that it needs to think about its own future by thinking about whether the incumbent, Mr. Ramaphosa, is someone that should still be the president of the ANC and the country within the next um, 24 months or so.